This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and... What do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome back to another edition of what Snail is calling a Mile and Kyle Shoes. And what I am still trying to figure out is, with this being our second episode, what kind of shoes does Kyle Dubas actually wear? If he wears shoes at all, he could be walking around PPG Paints Arena or the Cranberry Performance Center. He could be walking around barefoot. We just have no way of knowing. So until we find that answer, we are back with another episode of A Mile and Kyle Shoes. We're going to talk about some hypothetical, some fun hypothetical scenarios that Snail has given me, just me this week, uh, Gareth Bahanna. Uh, Robbie is unavailable, so it's just Snail and I talking about some fun hypotheticals here. Uh, with that said, Snail, I will uh, turn it over to you as we continue to try and figure out what kind of shoes Kyle Dubas actually wears? 
Dude, the thought of him walking around PPG paints in bare feet is just like so disturbing to me. Could you imagine like you're in the like you're using like the bathroom in the stall next to you, you just see bare feet and you, you go to wash <laughs> your hands and Kyle walks out and kind of like pops his collar and washes his hands. It is kind of like, trust me, I have no doubt that like the, the sanitation and the janitorial staff at PPG Paints Arena are wonderful people, but it is quite disgusting when you sit down and like, now that those words have come out of my mouth, I have to sit with them and think about them. Ima yeah, <laughs> imagine Kyle Tupis walking out of a men's room location in PPG and just bare feet. Like, he has business attire on, or he's wearing a polo and slacks and, you know, his trademark glasses and spiked up hair. Everything is like traditional Kyle Dubas, but he's just in bare feet all the time. It, it is quite disgusting. Once you sit down and think about it. Super disturbing. Well, let's try to move past that. I, I've, I'm going to have a hard time getting that out of my head now. But uh, yeah, I come with you uh, or I come to you with uh, some hypotheticals here. So Garrett, let's just let's dive right into this. Garrett, you are Kyle Dubas. You receive a phone call from none other than general manager Jim Rutherford. And he wants to make a deal with Pittsburgh before the season starts. He offers you one of Brock Besser, Connor Garland, or Andre Kuzmenko for Brian Rust. Are you A, making a deal with JR, B, not making a deal with JR, or C, are you maybe renegotiating? I am open to this deal because Brian Rust is, what, 31 years old? I was not against giving Brian Rust that contract when he was when it was when it was due. The same with Latang, the same with Malkin, the same will be said for Sidney Crosby and Jake Gensel when the time comes, and Ricard Raquel for that matter. I was not against giving Brian Rust a long term deal here in Pittsburgh. I thought he was going to go to Detroit, ended up staying here, but in this hypothetical, Jim Rutherford wants Brian Rust back in Vancouver. Brock Besser, Connor Garland, or Kuzmenko? Uh, I am not going to renegotiate, and I am not, I am not not accepting the deal. So I, I will look at one of these three players: Kuzmenko, Garland, and Besser. And I was doing some research before we started recording. Kuzmenko has a two-year deal. He signed a two-year deal with a modified no-trade clause, a cap hit of five point five million through this season and next season. He's 27 years old, a right-handed right-handed winger. Last season with the Canucks, 81 games played, 39 goals, 35 assists, 74 points. Very, very, very good season for his first season in the NHL. I look at Connor Garland, and if you have been listening to this podcast for longer than, uh, I'd say, three to five months, you know that when we were talking about the trade deadline earlier this year, that I was very much a fan of trading for Connor Garland if he was on the block. And to this day, as I sit here on September 8th, 2023, I am still in favor of acquiring Connor Garland. The 27-year-old right-handed winger has a cap hit of $4.95 million through the end of the 2025-26 season. So if you trade for Connor Garland tomorrow, you get him for this season, next season, and the season after for a cap hit under $5 million. And Garland can certainly put the puck in the back of the net, 
with the Canucks last season, 2022-23, 81 games played, 17 goals, 29 assists, 46 points, 83 goals scored in 322 games played. I think he's a more than capable top nine, even potentially top six winger, and you put him alongside a Crosby or a Malkin, I could see those point totals shoot right up. Brock Besser, eh, he doesn't really do much for me, and his cap hit is the largest out of the three here. He has a cap hit of 6.65 through this season and 2024-25. So I don't really need Besser. I don't really care for Besser. Connor Garland, out of the three you listed here, would be my preferred candidate. You get a youthful guy who's 26, 27 years old, can play either wing, traditionally a right wing, at a cap hit below $5 million, uh, which was less than what Brian Rust's current cap hit is. So Brian Rust for Connor Garland, and you know maybe a, maybe a, a late-round draft pick thrown in there as well. Out of those three players you mentioned, if I'm Kyle Dubas, I am personally taking Connor Garland. I would have to, I mean, I I like that take, first of all. I, I like Connor Garland. There's something about, I don't know if you've ever watched games where, where Connor's playing. There's something about the way that guy skates around and navigates the ice. He's just like this, He's an, he kind of has an odd stride. And uh, I don't know if you ever saw it. There was like a viral photo of him and he's like, he's down low next to the net and he's looking for a, he's looking for a tap and, and he's choked up on his hockey stick like so much. And I'd seen him use that technique before. There's something about him. I just like him. He's just kind of this like little snake in the grass out there. Um, he's effective. Uh, he's younger than Brian Rust. He makes less than him. Um, another thing I kind of have always thought, and maybe this is me thinking way too much about it, but uh uh, Connor Garland's a Massachusetts, like a Boston, Massachusetts guy. And Mike Sullivan also is, I think, you know, maybe there's a little bit of bias toward, I, for some reason I could just see Connor fitting into a system with Sullivan really well. Um, I, I love that all being said, I love Brian Russ and I've loved the way he plays. Uh, honestly, like maybe what, like a few a few, more than a few years ago now, but I was kind of shocked that he turned in uh, Brian Russ that is turned into a top six player. I didn't yes, really think too. that. Yeah, you, you as well. So yeah, I was kind of surprised he ended. Up, he just works so well with Sid. I think that if you take Sid out of the equation, and I don't know if Gensel would need to be in the equation also, but if you take Sid out of it, I don't know if he's a top six player on on the Penguins or any other team in the league. I don't know if he drives offense solo enough to be that. I think Brian Rust could be like the perfect third liner on like any team. Uh, it's- what do you think? It's hard because, I mean, look, I, I believe even without Sidney Crosby, Jake Gensel is one of the best pure goal scorers in the league. But with that said, of course it's not going to hurt when you have one of the best players of all time centering your line with Sidney Crosby. So is Brian Rust's success a byproduct of Sidney Crosby's greatness? The same argument could be had for Jake Gensel as well. I, like you mentioned, and it still to this day eludes me how to describe how Brian Rust transformed his game from a mid-round draft pick. And he really, even before he came up to the NHL level and became, he was a bit player and started really contributing uh, during those championship runs. And he's been an integral part ever since. Before he came up here with Mike Sullivan, I had no idea who he was. I didn't even know he existed. 
And it's just between him, Gensel, Connor Sherry. Um, I may be missing a couple of other of uh, Tom Kunockle, Scott maybe, Wilson, Scott Wilson. Yeah. Another one, all of those guys that came up from Wilkes bear around the time that Mike Sullivan was promoted to the NHL head coach. I did not know any of those guys existed to be quite honest with you. And what, like I, well, I'm focused on the Pittsburgh Penguins, not the Wilkes-Barre Penguins. And I'm not I, at that time. I wasn't focused on the development of a bunch of mid to late round draft picks because you assume mid to late round draft picks aren't really going to develop into bona fide top six forwards. So, to see Brian Rust transformation and Jake Gensel's transformation into premier top six forwards in the league, sure. Like I said, it's never going to hurt when you have Evgeny Malkin or Sidney Crosby as your center. And that's always going to be the case. Point totals might be uh, a little bit skewed because you have one of those two guys as your center. But at the same time, I'll end it by saying, take nothing away from the game that Brian Rust has developed for himself. And the same for Jake Gensel, because they have both proven to be integral parts of that top six with or without Crosby. For sure. And, I think God, when I think of Rust and, and uh why it like stings to even bring up this hypothetical, I love Brian Rust, the Rusty Razor. Uh dude, those the playoff runs, the the back to backs, I mean, he, he really made his name for himself in the playoffs. I think in uh 2015-16 he had 6 goals and and then in 16-17 he had 17 goals. Uh uh, uh 6 goals and 3 assists and then the next year 7 goals and 2 assists like he kind of, for being someone that, like you said, was a mid-round draft pick and we had never heard of before and, you know, not really paying attention to the Wilkes-Barre, Scranton Penguins, he kind of popped off and was clutch. Like, I think some of the timing of those goals that he scored, you know, it wasn't like these were blowout games where he was scoring. I, if I remember correctly, he had some, like, pretty big goals. Um, but with all of that said, I think if we're looking to the future and making the team better in this hypothetical, I would 100% piggyback what Garrett said, and I'd probably go for Connor Garland. I think Connor Garland is a super intriguing winger out in uh, Vancouver. I've always been curious, too, about, uh, you know, when is the when is a trade going to swing between the Penguins and, and, and JR out in Vancouver? It hasn't, has it happened no, yet? No, it hasn't happened yet. I thought, I thought it was going to happen at this past trade deadline between Hextall and Rutherford because at that point I think the Canucks were having a fire sale and uh, really their season was just a, a disaster class and they were selling off basically just about everything I thought Connor Garland was going to be that guy that Hextall was going to go after and it never materialized but at this point between Rutherford and Patrick Alvin, I would not be surprised if Kyle Dubas goes to one of those two over the next six to nine months, whenever the trade deadline is next March or whatever. And if the Canucks are struggling again and the Penguins are on the playoff bubble with a chance to, to make the dance again, then uh, if the price is right, then come on down. A hundred percent. I was, I, were you shaking in your boots that there was going to be a Miller? They were going to connect on JT Miller. That's right. That's who it was. I couldn't think of the name. Yeah. I don't know how in the world the Penguins would have fit Miller under the salary cap unless the Canucks were retaining salary. And I don't think at the time the Canucks were interested in retaining any of the salary, but now it's like the, the, the JT Miller trade discourse and the rumors are, were so far removed from that now with the acquisition of Carlson that 
and how close the Penguins are up against the salary cap that I don't think it could even happen, even if they wanted it to. No, not with his new contract kicking in. There's no way. I'm glad. I'm so glad that that didn't happen. At the time, I think when it was getting down to the trade deadline, I was like so desperate for like a playoff berth that I was just like, just do it. Just sell whatever you need to get that extra little bit of, of you know, he provides a little grit. So I would say a little bit of grit and a little bit of, and, a, and a lot of offense from a guy like him. And I was like, let's just do it. Sell, sell your soul now. Let's make the playoffs. But looking at it now, getting Carlson, one of the, one of the trades that I'm glad never happened. All right, we'll move on here. Um, Garrett, uh, assuming the role, uh, continuing to assume the role here of Kyle Dubas. Kyle, you are closing in on signing Thomas Tatar to a PTO, but Thomas Tatar puts up the stop sign and he declares he doesn't want the PTO. He thinks he's his reputation and and what he's accomplished in the league with all of that he deserves a one year one uh one year one way guaranteed contract and you're into it you're you want to add this extra um bigger offensive winger to your roster uh adding that depth but you got to move some money out in order to fit him under the cap i'm curious who is out and why or are you uh passing on tatar this may be this may not be the answer you were anticipating but if thomas tatar and my representatives reach a contract stalemate i am letting him walk wow and right now given the penguin salary cap situation one year one million it could definitely work if you shuffle a couple of contracts and send a couple of guys down to the miners i'm sure it could work um but i am not losing sleep over not signing Thomas Tatar. There are definite concerns about the scoring depth when it comes to the bottom six. I'm looking at a projected depth chart right now on cap friendly. So even with Jake Gensel's injury, let's say the season starts with Sidney Crosby, Brian Rust, and Riley Smith on the top line. Let's say Evgeny Malkin gets Ricard Raquel, and we'll say, according to cap friendly, Matt Nieto is the starting left winger alongside Evgeny Malkin. Maybe that could be Drew O'Connor as well. Drew O'Connor is on the third line, according to Cap Friendly, with Jeff Carter and Noel Achari. And the fourth line consists of, right now, Rem Pitlick, Lars Eller, and Vinny Hinnestroza. Again, these are all Cap Friendly projections. This is not confirmed by the team in any way, shape, or form. That bottom six, and we knew this going into the season, it was going to be an emphasis on defense and limiting the amount of goals against. Where are you going to really find that offense in the bottom six? You could argue, and you would be justified in arguing that you maybe won't get that that offense from the bottom six. Maybe you have to rely too heavily on the top six scoring, Malkin, Rust, Gensel, Smith, when he's healthy, all those guys. But if there's a contract impasse at a, with a guy like Thomas Tatar, who still hasn't been signed to this point, and to my knowledge, he has not been given a PTO with any other team in the National Hockey League, I am not going to lose sleep over not having Thomas Tatar on my roster. I don't. I think Thomas Tatar would be an excellent addition to the team, and he would surely provide offense in a bottom six role, but he is not a game breaker. It's not a make or break that I need for my team. If I'm Kyle Dubas, looking at the roster I have on paper right now, I am comfortable with the team I have to start out. 
Now, that's not to say come American Thanksgiving or Christmas or New Year, or if you want to go even further to the trade deadline, let's say they're not winning as many games as you think they should be, or your veteran stars look kind of tired and they've been carrying the offensive load. Then I will survey the landscape at that time and see what's available for a potential trade. But I'm not going to overexert myself and I'm not going to lose sleep over maybe or maybe not having a guy like Thomas Tatar on my team. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch, find inspiration for your new vibe every day at Saks.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. I like that answer. I think right now it's, I mean, this isn't Chell GM mode on easy. I think moving money out right now is just harder than it's maybe not ever been because we've been in a, you know, we had COVID and we've been in some teams have been cap strapped for, uh, for years now, but, uh, it takes two to tango to, to get players on and off your roster. And I think that moving out someone, uh, for Thomas Tatar of course he would I would love to have him on the team but the trouble to try and move money out and make trades and potentially have to give up I mean I don't know would you have to give up somebody you really don't want to get give up to add him uh it's not like I said it's not shell easy mode uh, GM mode uh on easy where you can just pick a couple of fringe players that may or may not even see an NHL game and move them out and move in a player like him I also have I've been sitting on this theory also that I think that the Penguins have have long moved on from from Thomas Tatar. I think that things got close for a second there when we kind of heard that they that Thomas Tatar and uh, and Dubas were in uh, in talks. This this kind of smells like a, a Lou Lamarillo thing. Like he, he the, you never know who Lou's signed until like pretty much like right before it's either camp starts or or uh, when players start showing up. I think that. The Islanders have been looking for a little bit of uh, of offense. Um, they have a little bit of trouble putting pucks in the net, and I'm thinking this kind of smells like maybe the Islanders have have pounced on this uh, on this guy. So, my thoughts: I agree with Garrett that I think that if you get to a stalemate, it's I really like how young uh, the team has gotten. I don't think that you're going to move heaven and earth to bring in an aging winger like Tatar. It, uh, 
and have to really fight over not fight uh struggle to find the right guys to move out just to to make this happen i think the top six is great and i think that the bottom six is much improved yeah uh just to put a bow on it i'll i'll agree you won't have to do too much cap wrangling too much of uh sending up and sending down the roster the penguins have now i think will be a competitive one are they the best team in the eastern conference no not by a long shot in my opinion at least but they will be a vast improvement that much i can almost guarantee and at the very least they will be entertaining to watch which when i tune into a game at 7 or 7 30 at night on a tuesday that's what i want to be i want to be entertained of course i want my favorite team to win but judging by what we had over the last what two years under ron hextall how it became a chore to watch the penguins basically uh, i will take what what has happened over the last five or so months with kyle dubas eight days out of seven agreed much improved roster um with or without tatar all right so uh this is the this is my third and final hypothetical uh here so uh garrett also known as kyle um you and jason spezza are chilling this sunday you're uh you're gonna be dipping into your signing bonuses to throw massive coin on the steelers game this weekend who do you like who are you taking and why oh boy uh who am i taking well, when I, when I was not Kyle Dubas, when I was not playing the role of Kyle Dubas, I had this discussion with my best friend uh, just last night. Uh, as we're recording this on Friday, uh, the last night was the start of the NFL season, and we were talking about the Steelers game on Sunday. I told my friend that the 49ers would beat the Steelers 23-20. to I am a natural pessimist when it comes to my Pittsburgh sports fandom. I am mentally and emotionally programmed to expect the worst result so that when the best result comes and the Steelers do upset the 49ers on Sunday, I can be even more pleasantly surprised and say, hell yeah, the Steelers beat the 49ers. They beat the one of the best defenses in the NFL last season. Uh, but as of as of right now, if I'm putting money on that game, uh, I will say the 49ers will win it, and it will be a close game. It will still be a close game. Uh, I don't think a lot of offense is going to be scored between both teams. Both teams are still going to try, and it'll be a couple of weeks before I think you see really most offenses around the NFL at full speed. So I'll say, uh, I'm going to keep what I said at the start, and I'll say 23-20 San Francisco, as much as it pains me as a Steelers fan, my my pessimistic nature gets the best of me, and I'm going with the 49ers. Well, uh, as far as my take on this, I mean, let's just be honest, I'm not a, I'm not I guess in this I'm Kyle Dubas. So, uh, Garrett, enlighten me as Kyle Dubas. Uh, who who is the uh, quarterback again for the Steelers? The quarterback for the Pittsburgh Steelers, according to my research, is former University of Pittsburgh quarterback Kenneth Pickett. And uh, how do we feel about uh, 
Kenneth Pickett in Pittsburgh? Well, the thing the thing about Kenny Pickett, especially if you have an allegiance to the Pitt Panthers, like so many people in Pittsburgh do, is uh, well, through hell or high water, they're going to support Kenny Pickett, and my I I'll take my Kyle Dubas shoes off for this, and I'll speak as Garrett, and I'll say that my collegiate allegiance lies with the Penn State Nittany Lions, not with the Pitt Panthers. So seeing a former Pitt product lead the Steelers to the promised land, really, Kenny, if he can win us a Super Bowl, I don't care if you come from coastal Carolina, Hawaii, or anywhere in between, as long as you can win me a Super Bowl, I don't care where you went to college. But because Kenny Pickett went played four years at Pitt, because he was drafted by the Steelers, the Panthers and the Steelers share the same stadium, some of the same equipment, the same rooms at Acrisure Stadium. There's going to be a natural romance between Kenny Pickett and a lot of those fans. So everybody wants Kenny to succeed, and I want Kenny to succeed. I want the Penguins, or the, not the Penguins, uh, we talk about the Penguins too much. I want the Steelers to get back into the postseason this year and hopefully challenge the Ravens for the AFC North Championship. Okay. Well, I'm, I, think, I, it's, I think it's all Steelers this weekend. Uh, I think that Kenneth Pickett is going to squash Brock Purdy. Um, I see here that uh, is his, is is his name a uh, George Kittle? George Kittle, yes. I'm not sure if he's playing or not. He is the premier tight end for the 49ers. So I see that he's questionable with a groin, and uh, as we saw, I don't know if you saw last night uh, with uh, in Can- with Kansas City not having a uh, uh, Kelsey. Is it Travis Kelsey? Not yes. having. Yeah, not having Travis Kelsey. I mean, they lost the game, uh, not not by a whole lot. They, uh, I believe, it was twenty-one to twenty. And uh, if I think that maybe, I don't know if if uh, George Kittle plays as is as big as an impact as Travis Kelsey, but I'm picking, I'm, I'm picking the Steelers. Good. The good thing is, for those who are listening to this right now. We, we have a, an eternal optimist in Snail, and it meshes so well with the eternal pessimist that I have become in my, ripe, my, my rotten old age of 25. I've just come to expect the worst out of sports. So like I said, when, when the good things happen and championships are won, I can feel better about myself after the fact. Eternal optimism. I like that. So I've mentioned this a little bit. I haven't tuned into a ton of football uh, for a couple of years. Uh, the Seahawks. I dude. I can't. I couldn't stand Russell Wilson. Um, but this year, my my foot. I'm watching football again, boys. Like I am going to be watching games. I'm going to be tuning in every Sunday or Monday or Thursday. And my fandom is up for grabs this year. I am not attached to the Seahawks by any means. I am going to be. Uh, I'm going to be riding the Steelers. I'm going to be cheering for Kenny Pickett and my man, Mitch Trubisky. Um, go Steelers. Look at that. We have a Pacific Northwest native in Seahawks country saying his allegiance is up for grabs and he could potentially be cheering for an NFL team. 
I don't know what the distance is between Seattle and Pittsburgh. So I'm just going to say 3,000 miles away. I don't think it's 3,000 miles. That seems like a larger distance than the distance between Seattle and Pittsburgh. But for the sake of me not knowing the actual distance, I'll say, you know, he's 3,000 miles away and his allegiance is up for grabs. Can the Steelers do right by Snail and convert him into a fan of the black and gold? There's there's a thing that we do here in Pittsburgh. I'm speaking as Garrett again. There's a there are a couple of traditions. Well, we have a lot of traditions, especially when it comes to the football team. There is a song that is played at Acrisher Stadium, formerly Heinz Field. It the song is called Renegade, and it's from the band Sticks. S T Y X. This song, Renegade is the equivalent of the United States national anthem for Steelers fans. Renegade is played in the stadium when the Steelers need a big third down stop to try and swing momentum, or they're driving down the field like they're on the 25-yard line and they have to get into field goal range to win the game. Renegade is one of those traditions that I know Snail won't be in Pittsburgh, but I know he utilizes YouTube and watches a lot of highlights. So I'm telling you now, your homework for whenever we record next, whether it's the mailbag or another one of these uh, episodes where we try and figure out what shoes Kyle wears, I want you to YouTube Renegade Pittsburgh Steelers on YouTube and that will give you a glimpse into what life is like as a Steelers fan. I will. I had no idea that was a thing. I'm super naive to it, but I'm going to check it out and see if I can uh, witness the madness that happens. Over. And you said it's not called Heinz Field anymore? It was called Heinz Field for the longest time. We had massive Heinz ketchup bottles adorned at the top of the stadium. Um, and it was great because Heinz was a local Pittsburgh, recognizable Pittsburgh brand that the the naming rights went up for grabs last year, the year before, and some weird insurance company called Acrisure ended up taking the naming rights. And now everybody hates the name of the stadium. It's called Acrisure Stadium instead of Hinesfield. Yeah, it's corporatized. That's so dumb. Yeah, it's it's awful. It's like uh, why even do no one wants your name o- over Heinz Field, I'm sure. Like yeah. I mean, even just like listen to the like even when they're placing their bid to to take the naming rights, there's no way that they're even hyped on it. Like there's no way they can be like that has like a nice ring to it. Heinz Field, Pittsburgh, Heinz ketchup, Heinz condiments or whatever. Uh that's a shame. Uh, I still call it Heinz Field and I'm going to I it's funny uh people who are older than me my my parents age and those before uh they always have a thing the, the prior stadium before Heinz Field was built was called Three Rivers Stadium and uh, I'm sure there are people older than me much older than me who still call the stadium in Pittsburgh Three Rivers Stadium instead of Heinz Field well, I will continue to call it Heinz Field that's what I grew up with and that's what I'm going to continue to call it I will I will back that as a as a Pittsburgh podcaster. I will not let that tradition die. Also, just quickly back to the the hypothetical here with uh, with Kyle and uh, Jason Spezza uh, throwing massive coin on the game. Like, 
do you think that they like care about like do you think that coming here like if i'm kyle am i coming in and being like go Steelers or is my allegiance still with the Toronto Argonauts of the CFL who are having a hell of a season by the way I know precisely zero things uh about Canadian football to the CFL but considering that Kyle Dubas is an Ontario native I don't know if he would I don't know if he would convert I mean maybe he doesn't have an NFL allegiance uh maybe he his his allegiance is up for grabs just like yours i i I don't i just don't know it it would be it would be amazing to see kyle dubas waving a terrible towel at a steelers game though oh it's gotta happen if he cares but i mean maybe he's a bills fan oh no he could be too he's close to the border yeah those those dudes up there in canada i feel like it's either like detroit lions or it's it's green bay packers or it's buffalo yeah Yeah, depending on the location of where you are in canada i would not be surprised if if that were to be the case oh I, i i hope now that you said that and you spoke it into existence i hope that's not the case well if i'm kyle like i am in this instance right now I am getting Kenny Pickett's jersey tattooed on my inner thigh and I'm getting I'm finding myself a terrible towel and I'm wearing it as a cape this Sunday as I dive into a plate of wings and and probably lots of beer or something like that. Good because Kyle is definitely going to need it before the preseason kicks off later this month and then the regular season. Yep. Well, that's all the hypotheticals I had for you. This was fun. Thanks again, Garrett, for uh, for allowing me to keep this hypothetical segment going. Well, we're two episodes into this new segment called Mile and Kyle Shoes. Uh, I'd be curious to know, I when, when I post this, I'm going to post this to social media, and I, I'm going to go look at some of the numbers, some of the analytics afterwards. I'd be curious to know what the listener base is for this Mile and Kyle Shoes. And uh, we're two episodes in, we still do not have a definitive answer to what kind of shoes Kyle Dubas wears. And um, like like Snail mentioned, they could be Gucci loafers, they could be 50-year-old New Balance dad shoes with high white tube socks, they could be flip-flops, or he could be bare feet trotting around through PPG Paints Arena. (laughs) We just don't know. We just don't know. And... The thing is that, you know, for however long we take this segment, however long, how many episodes we do of this, it will be my personal mission to find out what kind of shoes Kyle Dubas wears. And because I create this content for you, the loyal listener of the Skating Penguin Network, it will be my duty to find out what kind of shoes Kyle Dubas wears. Snail, do you have anything else you want to add before we get out of here? No, but I think it would actually be like it would be a huge win and a huge get for us to get some sort of uh, like somebody within the organization to just uh, discreetly and anonymously send us a screenshot or a little snapshot of Kyle Dubas's shoes in some sort of in, in whatever setting. It doesn't have to be even at PPG Paints. If somebody it was paparazzi out there want to help us out, wouldn't that be amazing if we got that? We did get, we did, uh, oh, this was years ago. We did have Andy Pearl, um, I believe her name's Andy Perlman. Yeah, she's the main social media person for the Penguins. Uh, she is absolutely lovely, a tremendously 
tremendously nice human being. We did have her on. She's still with the Penguins. Um, so if there is one person who may be able to help us out, Andy may be able to solve this mystery and figure out what kind of shoes Kyle Dubas does wear. But uh, until then, it's going to have to remain a mystery. And until next time, until we have more, more hypotheticals to discuss for Snail, I have been Garrett Bahanna. Thank you so much to listening to the Skating Penguin Network, and we will talk to you again very soon.